0: The Next CMO Podcast explores topics that are on the minds of forward-thinking marketing executives, from leadership and strategy to emerging technologies. And we bring these topics to life by interviewing leading experts in their fields. The Next CMO is sponsored by Plana, makers of the world's first AI-based marketing leadership platform, and hosted by me, Peter Mahoney, the founder and CEO of Plana, along with my co-host, Kelsey Kraft. In this episode, Kelsey and I speak to Greg Ryan, Vice President of the Corporate Planning Center for Canon Information and Imaging Solutions. Greg has spent more than 20 years at this global leader in imaging technology. In the episode, we discuss how Canon stays true to their nearly century-old brand, innovating products to serve the changing needs of their customers during the pandemic, marketing through a partner network, leaning into the opportunity of the new hybrid work environment where every company is now a multi-location company, targeting based on the age of a company versus the size of a company, and selling physical products through immersive digital experiences. In other words, we covered a lot of ground. Enjoy the episode.
1: Thanks so much for joining us today, Greg, super excited to learn about you and digital information systems and how it combines with Canon USA.
2: Great. Thank you. Glad to be here. Right now I'm a VP in the digital imaging solutions, as Kelsey said, and this is the part of Canon where we provide software development professional services primarily for the other parts of Canon. And we also, at the same time, build new solutions and market those directly to customers, primarily in the B2B space. And I've been with Canon for 20 years. Oh, oh,
0: a rookie.
2: um, Hard for me (laughs) to believe. Yes. Thank you. And I started way back then to building a software alliance program and went on to have responsibility for marketing for the primarily B2B software portfolio. I did product marketing communications, digital, Alliance marketing, pretty much every marketing functional responsibility there is. I've been doing it at Canon and enjoyed pretty much every minute of it. And
0: obviously Canon is a big, complicated organization. And it sounds like you've had the opportunity to, to market a lot of different ways, I suspect, in Canon, because Canon obviously sells B2B, sells OEM, sells uh, B2C, a little bit of everything. And if, have you had in your journey in Canon all of those different go-to-market motions as part of your marketing experience?
2: Yeah, to a certain extent. I think primarily my focus has always been on B2B, but even that's been very broad. And one of the nice things about Canon is we touch every kind of consumer and, and, you know, business user is large, small, medium, every vertical, government, professional. But then more recently, as my current responsibility, when I said we do software development for other parts of Canon, so we work very closely with the B2C group and the camera group and develop software to enhance their offerings. So in that regard, obviously we need to be very close to the consumer customer as well. So it's been a really good variety.
0: I imagine that being focused in specifically and in, 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 in is it mostly embedded software that your team f- focuses on?
2: We definitely do a lot of embedded software that actually live on our devices,
0: but we do, we develop
2: applications, integrations, middleware, pretty much the whole software stack that we're, we're, our, our team is involved in.
0: Yeah. And is it, is the, are the products that you focus on, are they sold exclusively through Canon or do you have some software products that sell outside the don't require other Canon systems to work?
2: Uh, Yeah, pretty all of the above. So for the most part, we're working with the other Canon groups and we're enhancing our core offerings. But in that regard, we also need to oftentimes integrate in the customer environment. We work a lot with a lot of big enterprise software companies as well. Maybe Oracle, Salesforce are just a couple of examples. And then we do develop application software as well. And we might go to market through our typical Canon authorized dealers Or direct to customers, but we also work with system integrator partners. As I mentioned, it's all of the above.
0: Yeah, it is a little bit of everything. So, Uh, try and draw the map for us. Tell our okay. listeners about what is Canon. In, just start in the USA because uh, globally it's giant. But tell us how Canon is put together in the USA so we can get our arms around what uh, what Canon okay. in, in the yeah, U.S. I means I think so,
2: so if I mention Canon, probably most people think of a leading imaging technology company and, and they would be right. And I'm pretty sure most people's first association would be on the camera side. And definitely that's a big part of our business. But again, that touches everyone from basic consumers to professional. But then I'd say even a bigger portion of our business slightly is on the B2B side. And so we have a full product portfolio of office equipment, like multifunctional copiers, printers, scanners. We have a very big software portfolio in support of that product line. If you think of document management software or and capture software, print management software. Canon's also been a leader, a longtime leader in the B2B space. But I think maybe what's interesting now, though, is that we've also invested a lot recently to try to expand our imaging technology in new and different areas. One example is in the medical space. We're doing a lot with medical imaging. We made a lot of investments in that space with other companies. We're... Um, working with a lot of hospitals, even somewhere near area, and trying to expand or, or, or bring
0: this really core, strong imaging technology and new and different kind of applications. So how do you think, from a marketing perspective, how, how does Canon think about their brand then? That's complicated because you've got, as you said, you've got professional, professional and consumer photography markets, you've got right. healthcare, you've got a document management, So how does Canon think about their brand and manage that over time?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I I think first and foremost, I'll say it, that we're an imaging technology company. And that we definitely consider ourselves or or think of ourselves in that way. And I think the brand reflects that. One one thing that we're very proud of is that we always rank in the top three in patents awarded each and every year. And I think that goes back at least 15 years running. Canon's always been in that spot. Because we really, we really are leaders in the technology part. But of course, the the brand association then extends, as we were talking about earlier, into what's your interaction with these products? Are you a consumer using the cameras? And usually that'll have a very specific connotation for, for certain people. Or is your first interaction on the business side? And the thing that unites everything, I think, is the underlying technology. And that's where we really stand apart.
0: And has, has Canon always been a in the imaging business? I don't know the answer to that question.
2: Yeah, I think from day one it it started back in the '30s, and and I might have to provide you more specifics, but yeah, I, I always been an imaging
0: company. Yeah, so it's pretty amazing if you think about it, and, and and it's actually a really good lesson for for marketers who think about building an enduring brand that there's an element of that brand promise about providing innovative in, uh, imaging technology that has lasted now for 90 something years which which is pretty incredible yeah.
2: uh, i think again i think the the brand identity is imaging technology and that's the core then what are the applications the applications obviously evolved in over time and what various interests are but I think it's important to have that self-identity association with with the brand and then use that to extend and how can
0: you apply that to solve problems for for what people are experiencing. Has Canada done anything or has your group done anything uniquely in this last year during the pandemic to try to adjust your business model or, or, or try to address sort of new needs that have come out of the new world order that we're all... Living in, yeah, definitely.
2: Right out of the gate, we did some really cool things. One example is the the copier. Remember, right when the pandemic started, no one wanted to touch anything, yeah. Yeah. To a certain extent, that's still the case, but uh, so we immediately developed an application to control the device using your smartphone so people didn't have to go up and handle and touch all the buttons. So that was that came out very quickly, and then. Another one is, uh, I was talking to Kelsey early on about this, but we developed a a webcam utility so that you could connect your high-image Canon camera to your laptop or PC and and make that your um, webcam, and you get a lot better imaging experience. Hopefully you see that now. Peter, I'm using it right here for this. I know the the, the listeners won't won't be able to see that, but just imagine you're seeing a very nice visual picture.
0: That's right, picture in your mind's eye an incredibly clear, color-true yeah. <laughs> version of Greg. That's, that's what we're seeing right now.
2: Yeah, maybe not Greg specifically, but the image itself looks really nice. But to be honest, Peter, this story is another really good one. Within three weeks, we went from the design or idea of this and putting a utility available for download as a beta. And it was just a matter of everyone getting together and, and, and working as a project team And now there's over 1.5 million people have downloaded this. It's available globally. And this just came out of us listening to customers and, and trying to figure out what the meeting behavior would be and a need for higher imaging for this kind of situation and go from there. Well, that's great. Yeah,
1: it's super important. We're all virtual now too. And you've got to have that good imaging. But I know, Greg, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you really focus on the B2B space. And so I'm yeah. curious, what channels and businesses do you guys typically work with?
2: Yeah, so you, I guess you can imagine everybody needs to print or or manage information or documents. So it runs the whole gamut. And I mentioned already, we touch every kind of customer. But we also go to market through all ways. I think first and foremost, we have a really strong Canon authorized dealer network. Mm-hmm. And uh, this gives us a really big footprint out throughout the U.S. And it also, I think we were able to meet a lot of the small and medium-sized customers very well and interact with them. Of course, we deal the same way with a large enterprise, but this is a big advantage for us. We also work closely with system integrator partners. So a lot of our software applications, we recognize our Part of overall systems so it makes sense for us to partner closely and work with them and develop these kinds of integrations because at the end of the day we're talking to customers and they have a whole bunch of applications and they all need to work seamlessly together so we need to work with all of those partners
0: as well how do you think about how do you think about marketing through those channels because it's an interesting one and i know a lot of our listeners probably sell products through a complex channel and you obviously have a pretty sophisticated channel that you're dealing with and the challenges yeah. that you often have with with a channel are one making sure that they're actually representing your solution in the way that Canon yeah. wants them to be represented and and then you mentioned the whole idea of systems integrators so that's another complication of course you want people to build your products and solutions into a broader solution for the customer but at the same time how do you keep canon front and center so how, how do you think about how do you think mark about yeah. marketing through yeah. those kinds of complex channels
2: I, you're right it's complicated i think that the first and foremost you just have to start with the actual customer, the actual end user, the persona of who's going to be interacting with these products, and then you work your way, well, how do you get there? I think recently with the whole, let's say, modern marketing and all the technology that's available to marketers to be able to get their messaging out there has helped a lot in that regard because you don't have to rely specifically on the easy chain of getting from your message to your salespeople, to the dealers people, to the their salespeople, to the customer, all of that. You're able to take advantage of all the technology available to to get your message, your content out. I think also paying very good attention to the buyer's journey, because for a lot of these solutions, you're going to interact with people that are really interested and ready to do something right away, or or you're going to have to nurture them along because they're maybe just thinking about these kinds of solutions and and it's very important to be able to serve up the right piece of content that's going to keep them engaged and interested. But so Canon, we've definitely invested a lot over the years in in a nice marketing stack of technology to to be able to do all of these things and manage very personalized level of our customers and prospects and serving up the right piece of content at the right time. And when they're ready, engage them more closely, give them demonstrations, do it virtually and I, th- I think it's just a matter of using all that technology, but but not losing sight of the end customer and the actual end user, and
0: and making sure that you get the right message at the right time for the right person. That makes a lot of sense. And interestingly, it's gotten a lot more complicated in the last year, where I think everyone's now in this probably semi-permanent or if not permanent mode where. People are at least going to be in this hybrid working model, yeah. and and it, it's really interesting to think about how a company like Canon, who's selling uh, business products and a lot of office-based products as an example, adapts to this world. You you yeah. mentioned some of the touchless kind of interaction with devices, right. and but how do you think how do you think about how you one, how is the, the modern hybrid office gonna change? And I suspect that it's gonna create some really exciting opportunities for companies like Canon.
2: Yeah, I no, exactly. I think we, I don't know, I say, I think we've studied a lot about the hybrid office and then even the meeting environment in particular. And Right out of the gate, we developed this nice webcam utility and I think that definitely enhances the kind of virtual Zoom meetings or Teams meetings experience. But as you mentioned, when people start to go back to work, I think every indication is it's not going to be all of a sudden, everyone just goes right back into the office and this never happened. I think this is going to be a new hybrid type of environment. We're going to have remote workers. And one of the really cool things that we started working on as well as a result of that is is using this imaging technology and, and trying to see how it could enhance the collaboration of, of, of those kind of hybrid meetings, let's say where you have three or four people that are in a conference room and you might have another three or four people that are scattered or remote. And so we're actually developing some software right now as a system to try to improve that kind of interaction. And this is really cool stuff. So we've taken our imaging technology. We're working with facial recognition technology. We're working with gesture technology. And and we're coming up with this system. We we actually have a a name for it. It's called uh, AMLOS. It stands for Activate My Line of Sight, And that was something that we demonstrated um, earlier this year at CES. But, but this is really cool. So you can imagine that you have a um, hybrid meeting environment. And maybe three of us are in a meeting room, and then we have three or four other guys that are remote. What this software system does is it allows the remote workers to be able to zoom in in a, in a particular area in that meeting room. So maybe there's something on the whiteboard they want to look at they can control the camera such that they can look there or they can engage with a person, even do, you know, a person inside the meeting in the meeting room or look at a document that's on, on the table that's in the meeting room and, and vice versa. Someone that's in the meeting room can use gesture technology to point to something and send that to the remote worker as a, a digital thing. It's pretty exciting, cool stuff. But I, again, I think it's going to play out because I, I think people realize that this remote or hybrid work kind of, environment or culture is going to going to be around, and but it's definitely going to bring new challenges and new opportunities on how we can make sure that everyone's engaged
0: and collaborating as well as we should be. It used to be that you had to be a really big company to start to think about dealing with some of those more complex systems. Well, I have a bunch of different locations, et cetera, yeah. but now by definition, everyone has a whole bunch of locations. And, right. And it's really interesting to think about how Solutions for companies that were really exclusively focused on multi-location, multinational kind of companies yeah. now well. can be adapted to almost everybody because everyone has a dispersed workforce now. And in finding ways to erase the distance for people and get people to collaborate in all the ways that you collaborate. And it's everything you mentioned, some of the camera stuff, but right. the document stuff is huge, obviously not only dealing with digital documents, but physical documents, and then all the local presence. Yeah. I suspect that that's really right in the wheelhouse of, of what you all have been I, focused
2: on. Peter, I think it's a good point because you're talking about it doesn't have to be large, multinational, huge companies that, that we're dealing with. And I, I think it goes back to in marketing when you know we segment on size of company and type of company. But more recently, I think it's becoming more and more important to segment on age of company because you have a lot of these, so many new startups. And their behavior is different. And and then you also have the technology. Everything's, you know, going cloud based, so it's very easy to acquire technology that you don't need enterprise software, IT environment to set up and configure the software. You can immediately access it. And I think those two things have a lot of implications for exactly what what, what you're talking about, because the, the smaller companies can start to take advantage and, and do these things. And guess what? They can compete very well, sometimes more effectively than some of these big, larger, well-established companies. And, and, and we definitely have to pay a lot of attention to that, especially on the marketing side and, and always go back to the persona.
0: Who is it that you're dealing with and what is it that they're doing or trying to do? That is a really interesting segmentation. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. The idea of the age of company, because you can look at companies and obviously their behavior patterns tend to be a little bit different. And I suspect right. that marketing and selling to them is going to be different based on how long they've been around and when they picked up the core behaviors at exactly. the company. Yeah. yeah,
2: I think so the I think there's two big implications. It's the people in this young company. And, and what their behavior and how they interact with them. Certainly there's implications for Canon because younger workforce tends to not print as much, obviously, and but still they're consuming information, and I think you know, we need to recognize that, and we do, and that's why we use our software portfolio to to address. But the other interesting implication is that these new companies don't have all these legacy infrastructure or IT systems. So one of the solutions that we go to market with is an AP automation solution. And, and one of our big strengths is we're able to integrate into whatever the company's ERP system is. And usually it's Oracle or PeopleSoft or whatever it is. But most of those companies invest big, they have resources to. to install, configure, and maintain that software. But some of these younger companies start from scratch and they just use a cloud-based application and they don't have to deal with all of that, especially they don't have to deal with the cost associated with that. So knowing the age of your company is gonna give you a pretty good clue as to what their infrastructure is. And for a company like Canon, we're trying to integrate in there or make sure that our solutions work well where well, there's huge implications in that regard.
0: I can definitely see that if you in the point you were just making, Greg, about the legacy integration requirement is much different if you're in a, a company that's been around for 20 years, as an example. But if you just right. started up within the last three, your entire footprint is likely in to be in the cloud. And you right. don't have to deal with that, but you have different kind of issues that you're dealing with, like connecting all of these disparate systems.
2: Going back to, you know, marketing, how cool was it when the marketing automation applications cloud-based started coming along and, and we could we could acquire these without having to go to our IT group and hey can we get this can you find resources to make it work well. And, and that just changed everything. Now that the, the budgets inside companies are, are shifting more towards the business group away from IT. And, and so it's game changing. You, you can move quickly. You can have a say in the things, you you can make all those decisions. And I think that's really resulted in a lot of good. That's why we're able to interact you know, more personally with a lot of our end customers.
0: Yeah, and of course, that's the sole reason we exist, right, is that uh, Plana is a company as, yeah. as since we provide cloud software to marketing people, and marketing people can now make a decision independently, typically, or often either, either very independently in some cases, or sometimes in collaboration with their finance teams right. about how they manage their plans and budgets and things like that. And that would have been unheard of 10 years ago even, where it, it used to be the kind of thing where it required a, a big, heavy lift of technology, a big IT project. And, and I think you're seeing a huge growth in companies that are focused on, on these kinds of things, which is really interesting. So tell us a little bit about where you think in 2021, I'm asking you to be Nostradamus here a little bit. What do you predict with, with all the now, I think, semi, semi-permanent change Related to uh, the the remote work, what does that mean for people who are thinking about marketing or go to market uh, now? How do people have to think differently going forward?
2: My first thought is I'm glad I didn't get this question, you know, a year ago because no matter what anyone said, it wouldn't have mattered. That's true. But yeah, going forward, I, I I think right before the pandemic, everybody was talking digital transformation. transformation. it was like a mega IT trend that meant kind of everything, maybe too much. It was kind of hard to understand, but, but I do think it was real. It's a lot of technology and it's redefining business process and there are a lot of implications out of that. So I think that will continue, but I think as a result of the pandemic and the way people have been forced to work now, we, it's, it's going to be a lot more emphasis on engagement. So how do, how do companies engage with their employees or how do we engage with our partners as well as how do we engage, of course, with our customers and our end users? And so I think we'll see a lot of continuation in transforming those kinds of things using latest technologies. I think you'll we'll see a lot of personalization or hyper-personalization. One example that we're experiencing that I think is probably happening and going to happen a lot more is where you get so close to your customers that they're becoming involved in the in the design process. It's pretty easy to engage remotely and You can bring in customers and meet directly with your engineering team. And pretty much they're basically part of the design process. And of course that means by hopefully what comes out of that is something that's going to really resonate to them. So I think, Canon, we're trying to embrace that and use technology to just bring people even that much closer into the process and hopefully coming out of that, there'll be a lot more meaningful and useful products.
0: Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. And getting those closer connections makes a huge difference. And the point you made a minute ago was really interesting too, Greg, that the people have been talking about this idea of digital transformation, like it was this ethereal, hard to understand, hard to define thing. And it got really real in in the last year. And I think the idea of all of a sudden making, it's really simple when you think about, oh, by the way, people now work in lots of different locations and we got to figure that out. So what does that imply? And, and if you can look at literally any business has had now a, a need to adapt the way that they're working. And I I think it creates, there's a lot of change, there's a lot of turbulence, but it's also creating a lot of opportunity In the market to create unique and better experiences one of my favorite things now is i think everyone in the world is doing things like curbside delivery yeah which i don't need to be in a pandemic to want to have someone drop my dinner order to my uh, window in my car where i uh, walk by why didn't
2: they think of that earlier exactly
0: Exactly. necessity is the mother of invention they say right and and, and once these new things get invented then I think it's really going to stay. And again, it's just like with your, your remote camera thing. You've got, what you said, over a million people downloaded that and they got inspired because they have to work remotely. And now they realize, yeah. whoa, I can and I can look better than everyone else because I've got now, a, a, I can present a really professional image. So it's really interesting when you, when you start to make it real by forcing a change like this, you, you see really interesting things come out the other side.
2: At the end of the day, I think it just goes back to being how close you are to, to your customers and how well you understand what they're experiencing. And then that's part of it. And then what can you do about it? Can, can you bring your technology there and help address those things and keep your eye on what's, what at the end of the day, what, what's important to them and, and make that available to everyone. And maybe if a pandemic opens up some new <laughs> ideas for that, then okay, I guess we'll take it.
1: So Greg, you work for a very well-known brand, and I know our listeners would you know, love to hear what are some of the habits that you've adopted over the past year that you want to stick with either personally or professionally?
2: Okay, so the ones that I want to stick with are the good ones. So that takes me off the hook, so I don't have to share any bad ones because I've definitely picked up a lot of those like a lot of people. I guess one, one thing in particular, again, this happened suddenly overnight. And then I'm used to going into the office pretty much every day. And then now I'm out there in my kitchen at first working and I wanted to stay connected. So I just started reaching out to, to various people and they're obvious like, is everything okay? And everyone healthy and how? what's it like working at home? What's your setup like was a big thing. And I realized that just those kinds of conversations it was nice to, to just have that kind of personal level of engagement. So I started doing that continuously, just randomly. Pick a colleague or someone on my team and say, hey, what's going on today? And, and just chat, and then I, I really got a lot out of that just from being able to stay connected, but then human nature, invariably, you're gonna start talking about something work-related and probably learn something and, and take away something from that. I don't know, in terms of a habit, I think I would like to try to continue that going forward, even if we're back in the office and there's a remote worker or even in walking down and just checking in, because I, I
0: do feel like it's important to maintain that, that level of engagement regardless of the situation. That's fascinating. And I've definitely seen that happen with a lot of people. And strangely, this push for everyone is now away from everyone else. And maybe you're in your own little bubble with your core nuclear family. And people, I think, really crave that human interaction. So it makes you reach out to other people. And and it's interesting to see that a lot. In fact, I've been now on this constant text stream with a bunch of my friends from high school who and some of them i kept up with but some of them literally i haven't talked to in many decades and and it's been amazing to reconnect with some of these people who i wouldn't have otherwise i I just maybe see them every 10 years at a reunion or something but it's been amazing to to see those kinds of connections come back and i think you're right greg that if there's an opportunity to learn from people Whether it's personally or professionally, I I think that is a fantastic opportunity. We're getting pretty close to our end here, and I think we have a couple more questions. But I I did first want to ask, one, how can people learn about Canon's products and services? Where where should they go point? We can put some links in the show description, but tell people uh, a little bit more about how they can learn more about the company.
2: Yeah, not a surprise. I'm going to ask everyone to just visit our website, usa.canon.com. I I will say this, though, one one really cool thing that we did was, this is going back to out of the pandemic, but we added a a virtual showroom experience on our website. This particular link is ciis.canon.com, but here we recognize that we missed the opportunity to meet with people and demonstrate our products up front and in person, but... We try to recreate that on a website. It's pretty cool. You can wander around and select an area and, and start to interact with it in some cases. I think, by the way, I think this will also be a go-forward strategy even when we get back into the office because it does. it's convenient for a lot of people to be able to, to, to do that. And I think maybe we'll also want to bring in people so you could even have a one-on-one conversation with someone
0: just like you were doing a, a, a demonstration in an actual showroom. That's really exciting. And I wish I asked you more about that earlier. So I'm going to ask you a little bit more about it now Uh, because I I think I hear a lot from marketers who deal with physical products, as an example. And obviously Canon has a pretty big range of physical products as well as software products. And how do you deal in a remote and virtual way? With the ability to demonstrate physical products and so you've created this experience it sounds like on on canon.com can you tell us a little bit more about that because i think that's going to be really fascinating for people yeah
2: i think to be honest it started more from a marketing Strategy standpoint, because our traditional demand generation, a lot of it starts from the events and meeting people in person at the various trade show events, and we collect a lot of names, and then we start to nurture them along. And, and as I mentioned earlier, depending upon where they are in the buying stage, we'll buying cycle, we'll figure out how to interact with them. But all of a sudden, we missed all of those in person events, so we were missing out on a chance to meet new people. I guess you would say so. A lot of the events went virtual and some I think did better than others. And and the ones that did better, I think, were the ones that didn't just dictate a schedule that three day lecture after lecture, seminar after seminar schedule. Those were, they would get tired in a hurry, but the ones that did well was where there was some interaction. And so as a result of that, we we tried to recreate that on, on our website. And so we have solutions there and, Try, we try to design it in such a way that you're there looking at it. And I think it really helps because it, it's not only interactive, but it allows people to engage in areas that they're interested in. They don't have to sit through a, a 30 minute webinar and wait for the part portion that's going to resonate to them. And it's been working really well for us. And, and I, I do see that continuing on. I think even when we go back to in-person events, which I'm very much looking forward to because obviously it's always good to meet in person. I think there'll always be a place for people that for whatever reason, aren't able to do that. So you wanna give them an experience best you can as if they were there in person.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because just like we talked about the transformation that companies have, have had over the last year or so in the pandemic, the, the, the idea of virtual events or events in general, I think they're going to turn into, just like we, we work in a hybrid environment, uh, I think yeah. events are going to be quite hybrid in the future. Yeah, Certainly there's a huge value of having an in-person interaction. I, I don't think you can understate that. The The idea of meeting with someone person to person is great because you get that focused attention and they can have a really immersive experience. But think about the value of expanding that that event experience to people who may not have been able to travel to to an event or may not have had time in their schedule or whatever i mean that it's amazing right. to think about the value of, of expanding that out further
2: yeah absolutely i, I think even leading up to the pandemic we, we you could see that if i think of a giant microsoft or oracle you know open world or dreamforce from salesforce those events and so they got to be so big in person, hundred thousand people that almost it was too overwhelming. So they started to 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 give people a remote experience and simulcast or the the, the keynote speeches and things like that. And but I also think well, there's meaning for people that want to go there and seek out and do something specific. Like for example, a lot of developers go there to do workshops and work. And the, and yes, you can do those remotely as well. But I think there is meaning for them to have that in-person experience. And I, for one, definitely looking forward to being able to do that, but I for sure see that as a result of what we've been able to accomplish or realize that what we can do under this situation, I think there will be a hybrid uh, uh, event experience as
0: well. That's great. And I think with that, uh, I think we, we need to wrap Kelsey. I think we have your last question.
1: Yes, our favorite question, Greg, and I loved yeah. your, the conversation you had about the personal touch and making those connections still in the remote world. So what advice would you give to CMOs and those aspiring to be one someday?
2: I, I would say, for one, I think it's got to be some learning element. There's so much new technology. There's so many implications as a result of the new technology it changes so quickly maybe it sounds cliche but I, you definitely got to stay on top of that and, and not just learn from your world but but look a little bit beyond i think the business publications the listening to the next cmo podcast is a good suggestion but doing all those things i think are are very important but i would also say don't, you know, fall so much in love with the technology that you lose sight of the customer. And and when I say customer, I think you really gotta drill down and understand the actual user of, of your products or what's their interaction and and make sure you bring those two together and don't go, you know, over overboard on one or the other.
0: Excellent. Great advice. And we really appreciate your time today and learning more about you and Canon. And and with that, I think Kelsey, we're ready to wrap.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for your time today, Greg. Make sure to follow The Next CMO and Plana on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you have any ideas for topics or guests, you can email us at thenextcmo at plana.com. Have a great day, everyone.
0: Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Kelsey. Thank you, Peter.
1: Thank you.